the Askell Business Brunch. Hello and welcome to Askell's Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business Leadership Specialist. I'm Louise Hartswell and I'm Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist. And I'm Julia Harden and I'm Askell's Funding Specialist. We're delighted to be joined on the podcast by Julie McCulloch, Askell's Director of Policy, to talk about the recently launched Askell Blueprint for a Fair Education. Welcome, Julie, and thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, Hayley. Thanks for inviting me. So, Julie, the Askell Blueprint was launched on the 14th of September. Could you give our listeners an overview of the Blueprint and what Askell's calling for? Yeah, I'd be really happy to. So, as you say, this is a, a piece of work that we launched um, very recently. It's actually something that we've been working on for the last two years, astonishingly. It's, uh, you know, other things have got in the way over the last couple of years, know, but uh, we've been sort of gradually bringing this work together and we're so pleased to have finally launched it. So, so our blueprint for a fairer education system is, the starting point is basically we think there's a huge amount about the current education system in England, so this is specifically about England, this book, um, which is really good um, and, and actually kind of, you know, world standard. But we think where the biggest issue is with our education system is around the gap between our more and less advantaged students. So, you know, when you, you look at all the, um, the data that, that there is about that, it, it is a, a glaring issue with our problem. And the, the kind of the one number really that crystallised this for us and that really started off this work was in a report that came out of the Education Policy Institute in 2019, where they said that at the rate of progress at that point, it would take us until the year 2581 to close the gap between more and less disadvantaged pupils. So in other words, it was about 560 years at the time or, or 20 generations. And, you know, for a, a country that talks, you know, to use the, the current terminology about levelling up, that felt to us completely unacceptable. So that's where we started with this work. Um, obviously, since then, we've had COVID. Um, something that felt like it was a priority at that time is even more of a priority now and we know actually speaking to to people again at the Education Policy Institute their their analysts have looked at sort of crunched through those numbers again and have suggested that while two years ago there was that kind of glacial rate of progress towards closing the gap actually they think we're not even making that progress at all now but at the current at the, unless we do something very different we're not going to close that gap at all so it's never been more urgent or more important in our view to look at why that gap exists and what we might be able to do about it. So we've been working, as I say, for the last two years on this. We've worked with ASCO members, uh, we've worked with external experts, we did a call for evidence, and we've put together a document that sets out what we think are the, the key building blocks for a fairer system and a set of recommendations um, around those. So I'll just give you a little bit of a sense of what, what we're saying and um, perhaps what some of, the, some of those recommendations are. So we think the aim of this should be that we have an education system where all children and young people receive high quality, broad and challenging education. That no child or young person receives a lower standard of education as a result of their background where they live. And that schools and colleges are supported to do everything they can to counteract the socioeconomic disadvantages faced by some children and young people. And I think that latter point there is absolutely crucial. What, what we're not saying here is that education can solve everything. 
you know, we know there are some really deep rooted inequalities in our system and not all of that can be solved by what happens within the school gate or the college gate. But we do think that schools and colleges do make a significant difference to children and young people and particularly to children and young people in disadvantage. So that's that's our starting point. So we've we've brought together five building blocks in the blueprint. Um, uh, I'll give you a, a sense of each of those and, and some of the things we're saying. So the first one we start with the curriculum and we have some proposals in that section that talk about the need for a, a slim core curriculum that's mandatory for all state schools. We talk about um, vocational and technical education, um, you know, huge, thorny, intractable issue in terms of the kind of parity of esteem between uh, vocational and academic uh, pathways. But what we say here is we think that there needs to be high quality vocational education and there needs to be what we call permeability between the pathways so that young people can, can move between them as, as best fits their needs. And we talk about the need for improved careers advice guidance. Again, not a, not a new call this one, but something that, that really does need looking at. So the second building block, we talk about teachers and leaders, and this very much includes business leaders in the, um, the recommendations that we make here. And we make three key suggestions in this, this section. The one is around the need for more time for professional development. And while we think that's absolutely crucial for teachers, it's equally crucial, we think, for leaders, including business leaders. And we have a specific recommendation in the blueprint that we think it would be interesting to trial, um, to, to pilot um, an increased amount of professional development for staff working in a particularly disadvantaged area and to see what impact that has on pupil outcomes. We talk about pay. You know, we feel very strongly that the government needs to deliver on its commitments, its manifesto commitments around pay, and particularly, um, as, as I know, Hayley, this is something you and, and our business leader members are doing a huge amount of work on around business leader pay and the, the need to properly recognise the crucial role that the business leaders play. So we, we make some specific points about that. And we also talk in this section about flexible working. We think if we are if we're properly to make sure that we have the, you know, the highest quality staff working in our schools and colleges, we need to recognise that people have different commitments, particularly around caring commitments, and that, that there's, there's more that, that can and should be done there. That's our second building block. Our third one is around assessments and qualifications, and we look there at assessments at both primary and secondary level. And both primary assessments and GCSEs, we make some points about how we think there's a real role there for those assessments. You know, we're not an organisation that's calling for the scrapping of SATs or scrapping of GCSEs, but we think they can be reformed and refined to make them more appropriate for the 21st century, more accurate, you know, perhaps using technology, more adaptive assessments. Um, so we have some recommendations around that. And we also talk about the way that students are graded, um, a bit of a hot, hot potato at the moment when we're thinking about uh, exams in, in the next year or two. Um, so fourth of five building blocks is around resources and funding. Um, and I'm sure something that's uh, close to the heart of our business leader members. And um, we talk here about a number of recommendations. One is building on the work that we did a couple of years ago on the true cost of education which was really recommending a, a proper bottom-up approach to, to core school and college funding, thinking about what, to, what is the education that we think young people are entitled to, what does it cost, and how can we make sure that our funding formulae recognise that. 
So we say more about that in the blueprint. We talk about capital funding as well, which we think needs much more focus. Um, we have a, a key recommendation here around the pupil premium, as you might imagine, in a document that's focused on disadvantage. And the two things we say about the pupil premium are we think it should be weighted more towards pupils in persistent poverty, and we think it should be extended to 16 to 19 year olds. We also have uh, some points to make about SEND funding, particularly about the, the current approach, which, as we put it in the document, kind of waits for something to go wrong and then tries to fix it rather than doing a proper look at how is it that our schools and colleges need to be funded for high needs and to make sure that they can offer interventions when they're needed. And going back to my, my earlier point about you know, schools can do so much, but they can't do everything. We also talk here about the need for better pastoral and health support beyond the school gate. And then finally, we have some points to make about what we call structures and systems. So we talk here about... You know, we, we don't get too far drawn into the whole kind of academization debate. We're not sure that's, that's particularly helpful, but we do talk about the need for schools and colleges to be part of strong and sustainable groups in whatever form they might take. Uh, we have what's been quite a, an interesting um, discussion that, that we've, we've started here around admissions in schools and whether there might be ways to encourage or require schools to prioritise disadvantaged children in, in, uh, in their approach to admissions. And we make some points about accountability and Ofsted. You know, we think that we should be, when we're holding schools to account, we should be doing that in a much broader way. You know, at the moment, the sort of accountability measures for schools are so narrow, aren't they? And we're interested in looking at a, a broader dashboard of measures that we think might better represent all the things that schools and colleges do. So that's a bit of a whistle-stop tour, um, but that's just to, to give you a, a bit of a sense of some of the points we're making in the blueprint and why. Thank you, Julie. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. And some of the initial feedback that I've had from representative and sector bodies is not only is this document ambitious in its nature, but it's also practical and pragmatic and, and the recommendations in there are, are really achievable as well. And I'd be really interested in your thoughts. I think you've already touched on this in some of the topical areas and some of the, uh, the things that ASCAL are calling for that you've talked about. But why should our business leader members engage with this document? Yeah, I think I think that point you made sort of just at the beginning there, Haley, is absolutely crucial that what we want to do with this blueprint is, yes, we want it to say things to government. Um, and there's certainly plenty of recommendations there that that we want government to recognise and, and to do. But also there's quite a lot in there that can be done at an individual school or college level. So I agree with you. I think the some of the feedback we've had from our members has been incredibly heartening, actually, as they've read the blueprint and thought, how can I make the principles of this document work in, in my own setting? So th there are, yes, as you say, I've, I've touched on, on some of these, but there are some recommendations in there that I think are particularly pertinent to, to business leaders' own roles. Uh, so one is about, we talk about the need for an acceleration in the development of clear career pathways for teachers and leaders. Um, and we think there's, there's actually been a huge amount of work done recently um, around career pathways for teachers, so things like the early career framework, new MPQs, etc. We'd like to see that sort of pathway for leaders as well, um, and particularly for business leaders. So recognising the different route the business leaders often take into education, you know, transferring outside of education between phases, etc. So we'd really like to see more done there, focus on coaching and mentoring, 
um, you know, all of that we think is hugely important. Um, as I say, we, do, we talk specifically there about business leader pay as well um, and the need to, to make sure that that, that is that the role of business leaders is properly recognised and remunerated. And the points there around professional development, you know, equally relevant for, for our business leaders as it is for, for teachers and, and other leaders. So that's, that's probably some of the, the areas that I think might be particularly relevant to our business leader members. I have to say, Julie, as, a, as an ex-business leader and somebody who was previously an ASCO member, I'm really excited to see how bold some of the statements are in here around business leaders. And I and I really hope that our business leaders will see not only how their roles reflected within the document, but how um, the role that they deliver as well. So there's something in there for them, for them, for themselves and for the role, their terms and conditions, but also something for the actual how they, they operate within their role, within the system, within the structure of education as well. And, and I hope having listened to this which has been absolutely fascinating that I think our listeners will want to go away and find out more information and where can they do that? So uh, if you have a look on the ASCOL website so www.askel.org.uk you can click there's a little picture on the, the home page there you can click on there and find out more about the blueprint you can read the document uh, there's a little animation that, that's sort of the two-minute introduction to the blueprint. There's also uh, a recording of one of our launch events um, and also some interviews with some of the external experts that we worked with as we developed the blueprint. So host of things there to go and explore if you want to find out more. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us, Julie. It's been fantastic to talk with you. You're welcome. Thanks a lot, Hayley. So it's really fascinating there to hear from Julie McCulloch, Director of Policy at ASCO, talking about the ASCO Blueprint for Affair of Education. And then Julia and Louise and I are just going to have a little bit of a discussion about it because all three of us have been involved in the process to bring together the Blueprint into the, the document that it is now, involved in some of the stakeholder discussions, individual discussions, and also as well in some of the, uh, the editing work for developing the proposals that you see within the document. So um, let's get underway. So which parts of the Blueprint were you each involved with? And Louise, if we come to you first. Hi, Ailey, yes. Uh, I was involved mainly in the building block two, which is around teachers and leaders. Um, initially, back in the very start of the process, I had several meetings with uh, different external stakeholders, ISBL, uh, lots of different people to do with skits and um, teacher training and lots of different areas of professional development, uh, just to get some information from a wide variety of sources on things that worked really well in supporting leaders and teachers. Um, and then we've worked through uh, the Conditions and Employment Committee, where there's been several roundtable events where um, we've had external input from experts and we've also discussed uh, amongst council members. Uh, and then as the blueprint has progressed, we've looked at sections of that uh, and uh, gathered information from the council members uh, on whether, you know, on, on how to develop that further. That's fascinating. So a really wide range of views. So, so really important there that it's based on what practitioners think, but also some of those uh, sector and industry experts as well. Has that been for the same for you, Julia? Yes, uh, very much along the same lines as Louise, really. Um, I've had the opportunity over the last couple of years to speak with funding experts from the Education Policy Institute, um, NFER, finance um, experts generally across the sector and drawing on information that we pick up um, in our seats on um, stakeholder groups for the Department for Education and the ESFA, for example, and all of that um, discussed um, and 
tested, if you like, with our school funding committee. So I think we, we've been really fortunate to have access to a, such a broad range um, of, of people. Uh, and, and it's given us an opportunity, I think, to pull together not only where we are now, um, with funding and resources, but exactly, you know, what we need to do to take next steps forward. That's really interesting for both. And I think the same with the with the funding side that it's I think what we've we've brought together within these proposals is some very pragmatic but still ambitious proposals, which I hope our business leaders will find really interesting to engage with. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend either of the uh, the launch events, but I know that both of you did. Um, I'd be really interested to hear what those were like. So, Julia, if we if we come to you first. Thank you, Hayley. Yes, I was fortunate enough to attend the live launch event. Um, and again, it was great to, to see and uh, get together again with some of those experts that had helped us in the roundtables um, that we uh, held earlier on in the process and all to do with building block four, which is the resources element, which was, which was my um, area of focus on the blueprint. But I think what was also particularly valuable from my perspective was to see a panel at that event, which brought all the policy areas together. So um, speakers uh, and experts from the other elements of the blueprint, the other building blocks of the blueprint, and see them talking to each other, um, sometimes challenging each other, sometimes agreeing um, about um, you know, where we are now and where we need to take this um, forward. And it was just great to be in a, a live event um, and, and, and make contact and, and speak to colleagues who, who we'd only met remotely um, in the first round. I completely agree with your sentiments on being back. I've had been back at a couple of live events and it's absolutely wonderful to be to be back amongst uh, people and to be having some of those face-to-face -face discussions. Uh, Louise, what was the, the launch event like that you attended? Hey, yeah, uh, I attended the virtual launch, which um, was kind of a bit, a bit of a mix of um, uh, some elements of the live event. There were some recordings, uh, interviews that were recorded with some of the experts, which were played to, to the audience, uh, which were really interesting. But I think one of the things I found really inspiring about it, the panel was uh, made up of ASCAL council members who were all obviously serving school leaders uh, and hearing from them their experiences of which elements of the blueprint that they were really, really engaged with and the differences they felt it would make with Within their own context and their own schools and the actual impact on the you know the children it was just really really inspiring to hear from uh, from such different views as well you know because there were a lot of the sector representatives there so such a wide range of uh, of input but actually seeing what that some of that practice might look like um you know people using it in uh, taking it from that strategic document and being able to put that into practice was just really really exciting and and, and inspiring to listen to I think that's fantastic to hear because I think all of us having previously been business leaders, we've all been involved in designing strategy documents and also action plans. And I think that's what we would want to see. We would want to see those strategies being used. So it's great to hear that that's already school leaders are thinking about how they're going to use this and how it's perhaps might focus their, their school improvement plan or their school development plan going forward and I think sometimes um, we know with policy documents all, all three of us are absolutely steeped in in policy and in documents and, and reading these types of things but why do you think that our business leader members should should engage with this document what's in it for them and Louise if we come to you first 
Yeah, I think um, I think from a business leader's perspective, looking at this probably from two angles is we, we often see that our business leaders can be kind of um, left out for want of a better word, you know, and not always included in everything. And I think one of the things that really runs through this document is that business leaders are there and, you know, front and centre and they're actually where where it talks about school and college leaders that actually includes all leaders so we you know there is explicit reference to business leaders and i think it's for me it's the element of it's a fairer education for children but actually it's it's also a fair treatment uh you know as regards to workload remuneration and recognition for all staff as well and i think that's really really important and i think that will make you know that probably give business leaders that confidence that actually this is something that they would want to engage with um you know and and who working in education wouldn't want to see a fair education system for all children and to see all staff being treated fairly and uh, you know and appropriately so I, I think and one of one of the the key things in there i think which probably is a bit of a challenge for business leaders as well is the recognition and the um the importance of uh, professional development and some actual you know solid time that's there for business leaders as well and those career pathways as well where we often see a lot of that things prioritized for teachers but seeing it there explicitly for business leaders you know it's it's crucial for business leaders to maintain that professional development stay up to date with all the things that are happening and i think to see that um articulated so clearly in the blueprint is something that business leaders will really want to engage with I completely agree with what you're saying there, Louise, and I think that's what I love about it. Not only are business leaders front and centre with some very specific mentions for them, but also there's this wonderfully inclusive approach that brings out the equality and diversity inclusion that's so important in all of the strands of work that, that we do, not just within policy, but across all the areas of work that ASCO gets involved with. That's just something that's so important to us all. And Julie, what do you think? Taylor, I mean, firstly, completely agree with everything that you've both said. Um, I think in addition to that, for me, uh, it's it's about the, the cohesion across the policy areas, um, which which makes this something that that business leaders will want to to engage with because i think we're as business leaders we're very good at that but we're not from an outward facing point of view but i think sometimes in practice it's not something that we necessarily experience um from, from other parts of the of the policy spectrum so I, th I think that's that's really important so here you know you've got five building blocks of the blueprint all given equal priority um, and, and resources is one clearly one of those um, five building blocks. Um, and as far as the document is concerned, I think it's it's a really it's a really user friendly document actually as well, which is very helpful from a time management perspective, of course. So there's a summary of where we are now, not only in a funding aspect which business leaders will be aware of, but a, you know a similar approach to each area that each of the building blocks and their recommendations that are written in a way that it is very clearly saying we require all policy areas to work together if we are going to achieve these um, and I think again you know school business leaders know this but to see this in a document that you will share with other members of your leadership team it, it provides a, a very um, uh, equal and, and a common ground for discussion um, to build up in your own organization or, or you know in discussions um, about the sector more broadly so i i really really um hope that that business leaders um are, are able and enjoy engaging with this not least as you've both said you know because their role um 
is is very clearly highlighted as absolutely crucial which again we know but it's i think ASCAL are really taking a, a leap here in um in moving things forward so we hope from listening to the interviews with Julie McCulloch and then our conversation here that it will inspire um, all the business leaders out there to engage with this. We think it's a really useful document that you can talk with your governors, with your senior leadership team colleagues and have a really fruitful discussion. It's something that you're going to see that we're going to be referring to, whether that's through our policy work, through what we're writing about, what we're talking about, and it will be influencing our work as we go forward. It's been great to, to talk to you again and we'll be back soon. Thanks for joining us. The Askell Business Brunch.